but it really is wonderful, wonderful to have you. And I uh, just wanted to, I know some people are away and some people, am I too loud, too soft? Too soft. Too soft. <laughs> <laughs> Trust that me. Means, that means that's good. Alright, well I just want to start, I know this is in the beginning of the, of the meeting, but I, <clears throat> I just want to honor Chip. I know Chip, you probably don't want me to do this, could you stand again? I'm so sorry. This is it. I wonder if you can give him a hand. This is, uh, this is uh, he leads this church here. And thank you for, again for letting us use your facility. We've been wonderfully blessed. Yeah. Isn't it great? Wonderful. Just a very, very just a big kingdom part. So it's great to have you with us too. A few quick announcements and I don't want to take too long. I've done a Bethel Rock here. I don't think so. I've done a Bethel Rock, the Kingdom, uh, the Heritage Kids Club started today and it was earlier this morning so I know there's got a whole bunch of volunteers and stuff going on there and I think missing a bunch of people because they're probably exhausted from that. But you know it's a great thing that's happening and I know they still need help, they still need volunteers. So I would encourage you, I know they're going every week, it's on the website. If you'd like to get involved there, please please get involved. You know it's a wonderful work that they're doing, blessing those kids over there and blessing not just the kids, the families. And uh, I'm trying not to preach about it but Jesus minister to a lot of children and through that contact of family. So it's just a, it's a wonderful strategy that God has given us. Amen. And um, I would also just encourage you to look at the new website. We have launched the new website. I know I said that before, but I encourage you to look at that if you can. Um, we have a welcome there coming up. That's July 14th at 6.30 p.m. at the church property. Uh, anyone that has been here for a while and wants to come and ask questions, wants to come and meet with us, we will feed you, that's how we get you there, and then we will talk to you just about the kingdom, our heart for the kingdom. I do believe that every church has a very specific uh, call of God on that church. We are all the body of Christ, but there are different churches with different calls, and we never want to knock one church in the other. There's never a competition in the kingdom. Amen? There should never be. Honestly, there should never be. And so we just want to give you the vision, the heart of who we are. And that's what we do at the welcome dinner, and so we encourage you to come, or have your friends come, or if you have questions that you want to ask, you're welcome. It's July 14th, and it's on the website. Please go there, sign up, let us know, and so we can do that. Then, after the meeting, where's Mary? Mary, Mary, Mary and Caleb. Mary and Caleb are here. Dave's wife, everyone knows them. They're leaving for Nicaragua next week to go on a mission trip. So what we'd love to do is to just pray for them and send them off. So if you'd love to pray for them and send them off, specifically I want to say if you've ever been on a mission trip, you know what's coming up for them, yeah? It's good and it's great and it's scary and everything all at once. And so it's very, very exciting. And so we'd love to gather over here afterwards and just lay hands on them, pray for them, bless them, protection and so forth. Yeah? That'll be great. Alright, can we pray? Let's do that. Heavenly Father, I thank you this afternoon for who you are. Lord, I thank you for your presence. Truly, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. And Lord, I pray anything I say that is not of you today may fall to the ground. May your word stand. May it pierce the hearts of your people so that we can go further in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, I'd love to uh, speak about something today, which, sorry, I'm just trying to clear this podium. People packed it with so many things, saying they're trying to be so kind to me, but I get easily distracted with 
Yes, sir. Um, last week we had Francois. Who was here for that? Okay, wonderful. I trust you were blessed. It's wonderful to have him. He's coming back in February. And uh, which is wonderful. I said to him, you have to come back before a year is up because you missed, you know, one year. So you just have to make up for that. So he's coming back in February, which is great. And it was great to have him. And, but I thought I would just, you know, we've been doing a series on identity. And I'm having many people come to me, especially the young people, um, when I say young, under 40, speak to me about identity, identity. Thank you for, please preach it more, preach it more. I'm having some uh, older people that have been saved for many years saying that they're beginning to understand the gospel. Some of them for the first time in its, in its fullness. And so we want to continue with that, but I want to take a pause from that. It'll probably start to pour out of me at some time this, this afternoon as I cannot help myself when it comes to identity. But I want to take a pause from that and I want to speak about some stuff from last week. I'm very excited. We're actually running a school of identity for eight weeks for people from the ages 18 to 25. And friends, it's such a major and important factor in the kingdom that it's actually not about you. You know, we love God, we know, but it's not about you. But at the same time that it's not about you, God's value and worth is on you. And He has paid for so many things that most believers and many believers are not living in the fullness of. And it's not that we want to be, you know, super anointed believers, but we don't want any payment of price to be in vain. Yeah? So, that's my heart. That's always been my heart. And so with identity, it's just a wonderful way to bring it across. That you were born under the sin of Adam. We all know this. We were born under the sin of Adam, under penalty of death, married to the law. And the law is your husband, the Bible says. And your sin, the slave master, beats you. It's Romans 5, 6, and 7. He continues to beat you with the law. And the devil dies, and the devil divorces. And it's just this awful thing that we're born under. And the gospel sets you free from that because you die with Christ. And you get raised again in the newness of life. And you are made new in the attitudes and the spirit of your heart. And even the way we were born when we grew up, when we were born, often the emotions we born with are not from God. And we've been going all into that whole context. It's just a rediscovery of what the gospel really is. And I'm very passionate about it. Because sometimes we get so into, you know, talking the 15th, 16th, 17th floor of the building. Miracles and other things. But we forget the gospel. And unless the foundation is right, you're going to go weird up here. Yeah? So we're talking about one of the things up here, and we're going to talk about tongues today. I don't know, I think I've been here 10 years, I think I've heard it preached on maybe once. And so it's not something that we preach on a lot. And uh, I've been here many years, and it's, we've actually, I think, only done one or two courses or series on the gifts of the Spirit. Even though we operate in them and we enjoy them, We've never had a whole lot of teaching about it. Um, but I felt, because of last week, coming out of Francois, we had a prophetic voice come in, a prophetic ministry come in, and he asked us to join him many times, sing in the Spirit with me, pray in the Spirit with me. And I, and I know that many of us are comfortable with that and are okay with that, but there's also those who are not. And so, as a shepherd, I felt like I said to the Lord, what do you want me to focus on? And he said, just give some clarity and some understanding. So many of you, you will know some of this today. But I have to bring some clarity, some understanding, so that we, number one, that it's not, it is uncomfortable. There's actually an incredible humility to speak in front of other people. It's a, it's a scary thing. 
but I really want to just go into it today. So I wonder if you could turn to Acts chapter 1. We will continue with identity after this. But you see, as you turn to Acts chapter 1, in John 20, verse 19, 20, and 21, that's, I believe, where the, the disciples got saved. The doors of the room were closed. Sorry, I don't have a... Let me set the time. Where the doors of the room were closed, I'm going to... And Jesus appears in the room, and the Bible says everything was closed. And we know the story. He appeared to them. He said, fear not. It's actually a very funny story, because I would be afraid too if he just appeared. And he said, fear not. I had to say it twice. And he breathed on them, and he said, receive, Lombardo. Receive the Holy Spirit. I believe that's when they got saved, according to the New Testament, according to a new covenant. He had died, he had risen again. Now, I think that's a major, major moment in Scripture, and many people just read over it very quickly. It's the first time on the earth that in a new covenant dispensation, man would begin to offer God. And so I really believe that all of hell and heaven was standing to attention, watching what's just about to happen here. And that just, we find that in John chapter 20. And suddenly their minds, in a sense, get switched on because you see a similar context in Luke 24. Different gospels, same story. Since they understand it, suddenly they understood. And the Bible says people are not spiritually discerned, right? Because they're not, there's nothing spirit in them, so they're not spiritually discerned. And the things are foolish to them. And so they got switched on, they got saved. Justification took place, they were made new. Then he still said to them, and we're going to go read it. So they've received the Holy Spirit, but then one of his last, sorry, I've got a, I don't know, little Bible here somewhere. Here it is. It says here, one of his last words to the disciples before he left, and he says, John truly baptized you with water, speaking to people that have been saved, people that have received the Holy Spirit, um, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? I mean, after all his teaching, they still thought it was political. Uh, sorry, I'm in Acts chapter 1. For those who, I'm, in Acts, sorry, I'm in Acts 1, verse uh, so written on it, verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. So, I know I'm not speaking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've preached much on that in this church. I'm almost taking for granted that many of us are aware of that and believe that and so forth because I want to go a little further than that today. But there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we see in Scripture of people that have received, received the Holy Spirit, the inbreathed Spirit of God. Now the Spirit comes upon them and certain things take place. I believe there's different workings of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. And sometimes in our logic we get so... We want everything so black and white, so perfect, so that we can have full understanding. And it never works the same. With different people are different, right? Like we have different fingerprints. God's workings with people are very individual. I know people that are sitting here in this building today that were safe for years, some of them in ministry when they were younger, and when they got filled with the Holy Spirit, they turned their lives inside out, upside down, and they would argue to the ends of the earth that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so powerful, so real, turned their life, their marriage, and ministry. And I also know people that are probably sitting here that when they got saved, 
get turned to life inside out, upside down, it's comicus. And we get so, well, that both happen at once, that, and we get so clinical with it. God indwelled us. And His Spirit of God wanted to come upon us to cause us and to move us and to change us and to transform us. Amen? So, when you're looking at this, it's very interesting to me that it says, You shall receive power. When He that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power and you shall be my witnesses. Now, friends, I said to myself, I wouldn't preach on this. I really want to get to tongues. But you shall receive power to live and power to die. What do I mean? Because that word witnesses is actually the word martyr in the Greek. In other words, you will receive power to be my witnesses even if they kill you. But it's also power in the terms of what we're speaking about in identity. There are the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit, all the fruits of the Spirit are the new man inside you. When you get born again, the new man comes alive inside your false identity that I've been speaking to you about. The person you were born under Adam, that is crucified with Christ. That's actually a false identity. It's not who God originally intended you to be. You get raised in the newness of life. You take on your new robe of righteousness, your new identity. And the fruit of the Spirit is linked to that person. Right? And that's what begins to happen. So when you get the, the Christian living, turning the other cheek, not being angry. I've always I've been saying that the gospel set me free from me, which makes me free from you. Not in a way that I don't care. I can love you regardless of how you are in me. That's the gospel. But it takes the activity and the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life just to help you live the Christian life. And that is the empowering. It's just the empowering of the Holy Spirit inside you. When the Holy Spirit came, and the power of the Spirit came, it says you will now be able to die to that old man. And even die in the flesh if you have to for the sake of the gospel. So it empowers you to live unto God and to die. Die to the flesh and live unto Him. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So, now, that's what we see going on here. Alright, you have the new covenant. I want to stir your thinking a little bit. It's vital in our understanding. Why? Because in the new covenant, we see things taking place that we don't see in the Old Testament. In terms of the operation of the Spirit of God through people, all people. In the Old Testament, it was mostly prophets, priests, and kings. There's some, there's always things that break. I think God always doesn't want to make it too much like this so that, you know, we don't get stuck. But it's mostly prophets, priests, and kings. And we see the Spirit of God operating through these people. In the New Testament, the veil is torn, the Spirit is released, we have access to the most holy place, access to the Father, He has access into our hearts, and everyone has access to the Spirit of God. Yes? We all agree. Now, however, in the Old Testament, you see, if you look at the nine gifts of the Spirit, and I know I'm going fast here, I don't want to necessarily teach on the gifts of the Spirit. Let me just say, the gifts of the Spirit are actually not the focus. The focus is Him. The focus is the purpose of the gifts, which is the heart of people, which is the glorification of Jesus Christ. Okay? But if you look at the nine, seven of them were in operation in the Old Testament. They weren't called what they were called in the New Testament. We have to understand in the New Testament, friends, for 27 years, they were operating in all the various gifts of the Spirit. They didn't have all the names. Paul, as we know, went to heaven. The Bible clearly says he had very supernatural spiritual experiences. He came down 
He was showing so much, it says, that I'm not even allowed to say some of that stuff. You know the Bible says that? He said, I'm not even allowed to utter some of the things I was showing. He comes down, pens 1 Corinthians, and he begins to explain what is actually going on. Why? Because they were already operating in them. So they were doing all these things. He said, let me explain so there can be order, so they can be done right. All right? So that's what begins to happen. So he gives us nine and we can break them up and we can teach on that another time. But you see seven of them in operation in the Old Testament. There was faith in the Old Testament. That's where it started. There was healings. There was the prophetic. There was supernatural information given about others. Like Saul, there's your donkeys. And that's what we would call word of knowledge. There was supernatural wisdom. There was all the different gifts in operation. Whether they were called gifts, they were under dispensation, but the activity of God through people in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, two are added. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. And why is that so important to me? Because if at the birth of the church, okay, Acts 2, at the birth of the church, when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, if that was God, and it was, if the demonstration of the Spirit, we would, let's call it the inauguration. Okay, I went to the presidential inauguration. So let's call it the inauguration. It was the inauguration of the church, the inauguration of the new dispensation of God. Yes? And if that moment, what came was the Holy Spirit and what was joined to it was tongues. And if, because of those tongues, people heard everyone speaking in their own languages supernaturally, Thousands of people ended up getting saved because they asked about the tongues, and because they asked about the tongues, Peter preached a beautiful sermon. They were cut to the heart, and people were added to the church. They wouldn't have asked the question if the tongues hadn't happened. So the first time the New Testament dispensation is released on the earth after Christ is gone, because the first time was with the disciples. Christ was still here. Then Christ leaves. They wait. Boom, Holy Spirit, and then we see what happens. Now we all know what happened. I'll quickly read it to you. There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together. So what happened? The sound came from heaven as of a rushing wind, and the, tongue, and the fire came, and they spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. Yes? Whenever I've taught on this in the past, I've had people ask me, well, if you say tongues is for today and miracles are for today, then how come when you speak in tongues there's no fire? It's actually very simple. It's a great question. I never thought about it on my own. But in each single one of the dispensations, whenever God would choose a new house, there would be fire. In the tabernacle, fire from heaven, when they finished the construction of the tabernacle, I think it's Leviticus 9. The, the construction of the tabernacle of fire from heaven came down. From heaven, not from earth. From heaven we consumed the sacrifice. Then they built the Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple, same thing. At the dedication of the temple, fire from heaven comes down and consumes the sacrifice. Why? Declaring, this is my new house. In Acts chapter 2, fire from heaven comes down. Declaring, this is my new house. I will now dwell no longer in buildings built by the hands of men, Acts 17, I now dwell in, in man. New dispensation. That alone, we could all go home today and think about that for a year, that God dwells in you. It's a, it's a fact. He's saying, this is my new house. 
It looks most like me. I designed everything I've ever lived in. I designed the tabernacle. I gave them the instructions. I designed the temple. I designed you. So I live in you the best. Yeah? So that's why there's no more fire. We don't need fire every time. Hallelujah for that. That would really freak some people out. So, imagine you're trying to witness to a person anyway. So the scripture says a lot more on this topic than we realize sometimes. It says a lot more than we think. Now it's not a foundational thing. Let me say, if you never operate with any other gifts, you can be wonderfully saved and enjoy a good life with God. It's a fact. But there's more. There's always more in God. So, the Bible says some of these things on tongues, that, and we're going to get into some of it today, that there are varieties of tongues. It says tongues are assigned to unbelievers. It says tongues come to edify the body of Christ. It says they are used to magnify God and declare His wonders. It talks about singing in tongues and in the Spirit. It says tongues are not to be forbidden. It says tongues, talks about the tongues of men and of angels. It says the minds are unfruitful when we speak in tongues. So there's all these things written about tongues and yet it's never taught on and never really practiced. But yet it came at the, at the dispensation and how important then is it? If it's the only thing that you don't see in the Old Testament and in God's inauguration of His church and of the release of His Spirit, He gives this, I want to know what's about. Yeah, don't you? Don't you want to? I want to investigate. I want to say, God, I want what you're giving. So, let's go to Acts chapter 2. We already read that. Wonderful. Now, let's talk about the different types of tongues. The Bible says there are varieties of tongues. What we see in Acts chapter 2 is the one type, and that's tongues in other people's languages. So, because I disagree with some of the Pentecostals. And they say, you're not full of the Spirit if you don't speak in tongues. Because that's what happened in, in, in the Bible. I, I disagree. Because they always say that because they have a prayer language. But if they want to be exact, it wasn't a prayer language that came in Acts chapter 2. It was a supernatural gift that caused them to speak another language on the face of the earth. And if that's the marker of being filled with the Spirit, very few people are. True. So, there is tongues of men that can come supernaturally to a person. Let me read you a few stories. It says here, who knows, uh, have you ever studied church history? There was a gentleman by the name of Francis Xavier. Francis Xavier, not X-Men. <laughs> Francis Xavier. Xavier, not professor. Francis Xavier, who, who was a missionary to the Orient, and he went into China. And he was supernaturally, you can go read about it in church history, supernaturally given the Chinese language and he had it forever. Never learned it. Just came like that. Historical fact. I read you, I, I wrote you this something, I think it's coming up. In the book, They Speak With Other Tongues, it tells of a missionary by the name of H.B. Garlock, who in 1922 was used to bring the gospel to a tribe of cannibals through the gift of tongues. He was captured and put on trial and spoke for about 20 minutes in tongues. He did not understand a word of what he was saying, but the cannibals obviously did, and responded by setting him free and later turning to Christ. Barak did not speak in that language ever again. That, uh, that happened. Next one. Dennis Bennett writes about this. 
In a church in Oregon, there was a young man who married a Japanese girl, was stationed in Japan with the armed forces. The young couple returned to the United States and were doing well, except that the young lady flatly, flatly, should be flatly, flatly res resisted her husband's faith and held steadfastly to her Buddhism. One night after the evening service, the couple was praying at the altar, him to God, her to Buddha. Imagine that. That would be very interesting in church today. Next to them was kneeling a middle-aged woman, a housewife from the community. As this woman began to pray out loud in tongues, and let me say, sometimes we don't know what God can do with what you just give him. Suddenly the Japanese bride grabbed her husband's arm. Listen, she whispered in excitement. This woman is speaking to me in Japanese. She is saying to me, you have tried Buddha, he does you no good. Why don't you try Jesus Christ? She is not speaking to me in normal Japanese. She is using temple Japanese and also my entire Japanese name, which no one in this country knows. That's a fact. I could read you story after story. I've seen it before myself. When a person stands up and a man from Africa, I've seen it. Doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. That is a type of tongue that comes supernaturally. It's a gift. Almost hardly ever does it remain with the person. Most of the time, they're not even aware of it. Okay, so that is one type. Very important. Now, let's talk about tongues as a private prayer language. Can you go to 1 Corinthians, please? I'm, I've just thought it would be good to bring some clarification. Why? Because I've known many people that have been saved for many years, and yet there's still very many questions about this. Because the Bible, it's not 100%. And also, every single time we do uh, um, welcome dinner, every time, I think Michelle, you've been at every, I think it's every single time we've ever done one, this question comes up. Every time. It's like the first question. That's all great. What do you think about tongues? It's like number one question. So let's talk about it. 1 Corinthians 13, No one speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, and we know it goes into love, love being the most important, obviously. Tongues of men? And of angels. Alright, now in Acts chapter 2, not to throw you, it actually doesn't technically say that they spoke in another language. It says people heard in their own languages. Whether that was the perfect language coming out of their mouth or they got anointed their ears, we actually don't know. But they heard the gospel and the wonders being declared in their language. Okay? But clearly, from history, we see people can't speak in supernatural in other languages. Alright? But here it says the tongue of men. So that's the tongues of men. All the different various languages on the earth. And of angels. A heavenly, supernatural language that has nothing to do with this earth given to you. That is your prayer language that you can speak anytime, anywhere. Okay, what does the Bible say about that? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14, just to help. Pursue love, verse 1, and desire spiritual gifts. Let me just stop and say this. Friends, desire spiritual gifts. People have thought it's bad to desire gifts. That's why I believe it comes after the chapter of love. Because to desire gifts for yourself, the insecurity and all of that to make yourself great, you'll find it's not going to go so well for you. But when you're desperately trying to reach out, when you're desperately trying to seek and, and, and reach out and seek God and also see people say, you'll find the gifts become readily available. So, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. 
why? I'm trying to summarize this. I'm trying to go fast. All through 1 Corinthians and even other parts, you see it in the book of Jude and the book of 1 Peter, all the gifts are given, the ones, and the purpose is to edify, to exhort, to uplift, to encourage. It's never about the person. So that's why he says especially prophecy, because prophecy is to uplift, to encourage, to edify. It doesn't mean prophecy is the coolest gift. It just means it's the most practical in the church. And we're not necessarily talking about a prophet. Hello? That's very different. Last week, we had the ministry of a prophet. And I don't have time to get into the differences. There's many differences in Scripture. There's many differences in Scripture. And so last week we had the ministry of a prophet. So for some, sometimes for some people he said, let's all pray in tongues together quickly while we pray for this person. And I saw some people going, uh, the Bible says we're not supposed to pray. And I saw it in their mind. And he says, let's sing in the Spirit. And I could see, well, you know, there's actually nothing wrong with that. And that's what I want to try to get to and try to explain to you. So, Especially that you might prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Huh. So there's a type of tongue that you do not, you're not speaking to man. <coughs> so this is not speaking in another language. Hello? Because you're not speaking to men. You're speaking to him. What do you call it when you speak to God? Prayer. Speaking to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. This is a, a tongue that is given to you. Many of us know this. It's a supernatural language that is given to you for you. No one understands it. It's a mystery. So therefore, it's also not talking about tongues that needs to be interpreted in a church meeting. We'll get there, God willing. It's not talking about that because it remains a mystery. So it's not interpreted. It's your personal prayer language. It's not for the purpose of evangelism. It's not someone else's language. It's given to you to edify yourself and to edify your spirit, which is an extremely, extremely important thing. And I'll tell you why. Babel in Jude 20 says, Build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying, speaking to God in the Holy Spirit. Why is this so important? Because the Bible is trying to give us clues in this whole series of identity. I've been speaking to you guys about being set apart from the world. Set apart. I've been set free from people. Uh, the Bible says that, uh, that Jesus forgave our sins so that we could be set free in this present evil age. Galatians 1. So a lot of the times it talks about the forgiveness of sin. It's for the purpose of what's coming. For the age to come. The purpose of eternal life. In Galatians it says, set free from here. Jesus saying, I've designed salvation to transform you, to change you into my image, so that you can be free from everything that surrounds you. Yes? Yeah, so that you can be free from people, free from stuff, free from lies, free from the stuff that entraps and ensnares you. You can be free because you can live in the world as a light, but you're not of it. Alright? We all know this, but it's helpful to understand. Build yourself up, on, not in. On your most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. Holy, set apart. Holy just being set apart. Judas saying there is a way to help yourself become set apart and be in the world and not of it. 
it's called tongues. It's called praying in the spirit. It builds you up from the inside out. It assists in the process of the truth coming to you and sanctifying you and changing you and transforming you. That's what it assists with. And I know some of you have heard this before. It's so important. I speak in tongues every, maybe not every day, maybe I miss it every day. Because what's happening is my spirit will begin to rule. Which man does the, the spirit inside of you, you know, it says, the Bible says it edifies yourself? Which man is it edifying? The old one that's crucified or the new identity? The new one. It's causing who you actually are in your new person to be built up and transformed into the image of Christ. But your mind, the Bible says, is unfruitful. And it feels so weird. I'm just being honest. It feels weird. I'm driving to the store, praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. I'm thinking, because we so feel like we have to work hard to do something. So I'm driving to the store, praying in tongues. Man, I, God is just, He's changing me right now. I'm building myself up. But my mind is unfruitful. I can be thinking about going to the movies, but I'm praying in the Spirit. So, I wrote you that the gift of tongues is an immense kindness from God. It's an immense kindness. It is given to bypass the mind. Please hear this. Why is this a kindness? Please hear this, friends. I'm trusting that God's going to put a hunger in you to begin to explore what we already have, but it's much more than we know. It's an immense kindness because the Bible says it remains a mystery when you pray in your prayer language. I've always said every single spirit, good and bad spirit, desires one thing, expression. The Holy Spirit desires expression through you. An evil spirit desires expression through people. Okay? You agree? Alright. When you get saved, there's a, you get transformed how? By the renewing of that mind. So if we can only pray with our understanding, and we'll read it, you can pray with your understanding and you can pray in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 says that. You can only pray to the degree that your mind has been renewed. You are stuck to a level of prayer that is only according to where you are at with God. And that's why sometimes the people say, man, I've just, you know, I've prayed for three hours and people are like, you, what did you pray about for three hours? Because I know when I started to pray, you know, because prayer, every church is called to do three things. Worship, pray, and reach the last. To exalt God. So when I started to pray, you know, after like 10 little minutes, I gone through my list. I'm like, well, I mean, I think I prayed. <coughs> Who's ever felt like that? Yeah, yeah. The rest of your line. <laughs> Friends, that's what it's like. So he's given us this gift to pray and build ourselves up. Because when you pray in your heavenly language, you are edifying yourself. It is bypassing your mind. It is a spirit-to-spirit connection. Because you are a spirit being in a body, housed in a body with a soul. It's a spirit-to-spirit connection. You are praying the exact will of God. Romans 8 says that. Although you don't know it, it remains a mystery to you, but you're speaking the word of God over yourself, over your life, over whatever you're praying for. And it assists in the process of causing your new man to rise up and to begin to rule and to take dominion over the flesh. 
It's a gift from the Lord for a reason. So, I wrote you tons of the kindness. It's a great kindness. Prayer in the Spirit bypasses the mind, it edifies the new man. Then, let me just finish reading it because then I don't want to just speak and not read. For he, 1 Corinthians 14 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exit, exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Let me ask you a question. Were that's not speaking about speaking another language. Another language doesn't edify you. It's for the purpose of evangelism. Where there would maybe be no other way for the hearers to be open for the gospel. Like the Buddhist lady. So God comes in a supernatural way to open their heart to the gospel and to receive Christ being the most important thing, not the gift. Then he says, but now to verse 6, he says, but now brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, okay, pause, now he's not talking about speaking to God. If I come to you, it's speaking in tongues. Speaking to men. He says, unless I speak to you out by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, by teaching, in other words, with my own language, by explanation, what I'm doing right now, even things without life, whether fruit or harp, and he goes into it. He says, if I come speaking in tongues now, Let's go to verse 13. Sorry, I'm trying to go fast for the second time. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, a spirit prays. You know the Bible talks about in Romans 8, it talks about the mind of the spirit. Yeah? The spirit, the mind of the spirit. Who apart from God knows the things of God except the spirit of God? That word things is actually thoughts. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Who bought from man knows the thoughts of a man, the things of man, except the spirit of that man. When you pray with the mind of the spirit, your spirit prays. That's what he says. He says, my spirit prays. When your spirit prays, the Holy Spirit is actually praying in you. And Romans 8 says, we do not know how to pray as we ought. So the spirit begins to pray through us. And you know that you can actually begin to start to get it now. Francois said this last week, he touched it and he moved on. He said, when I pray in the spirit, I'm still trying to access God's thoughts, not mine. Because my thoughts, the carnal mind, the carnal of the flesh mind, is an enmity against God. The Bible says that. The carnal mind is, is against the Lord. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it's the way of death. So we come with all our plans, with all our programs, with all our structure, and God says, has anyone taken the time to get my thoughts on the matter? And sometimes it's very difficult to hear God. And what you will find is when you begin to pray in tongues, all of a sudden your thoughts, and it takes a t some learning season, and sometimes some time, even when you're doing it in a, in a 15, 20, 30 minutes, and all of a sudden the things that begin to build up and come up inside of you were not what you were there for. This year, for I pray in the tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with my understanding, in other words, only with your own language. I will sing with the spirit, I will also sing with understanding. Okay, now, there's a lot of scripture. Let me just go to verse 22. I want to read this. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. That is talking about tongues that is another language. Can you see that? Because it's a, 
form of evangelism to unbelievers. Okay, but prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speaks with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed unbelievers, so uninformed, in other words, believers. Hello? It's talking about believers that are not understanding tongues. It says it right there in the Bible. So if you have other believers join you, but they're not on that page, so if they're uninformed or unbelievers, they will say that you are out of your mind. I've been accused of that, sadly, with more than just tongues. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, the secrets of his heart reveals, and he falls on his knees and worships the Lord. Now, there's much scripture I could get into if you could allow me to just bypass some stuff for the second time. There is such a thing about a tongue brought in a corporate church meeting. And this is where a lot of confusion comes in. Okay, for some people. Some people say, well, we're not supposed to speak in tongues in church because the Bible says you're going to okay. Tongues of men, tongues of angels. If you are surrounded by people that are informed, if you are surrounded by people that have an understanding, that are with you, if there's a culture like in our church, we can actually get together and begin to pray in the Spirit together. There's nothing wrong with it. In your prayer language, you can all pray in the Spirit together. For all of you know what's happening. There's an understanding, and you'll feel faith rise in the room because all of your spirits are being edified together. Faith begins to rise. Gifts begin to rise. The presence of God begins to rise. Worship takes on a different. You can sing in the Spirit. You can come together. I can fill it in the room now. You can come together, and you can begin to sing in the Spirit. That is very different to when a person comes up to the front of the room because they, now you're speaking to men, not to God. And when you speak to men, tongues has to be interpreted. So you come up to the front of the room, you take a mic and do whatever, and then go sit down. The Bible says don't do that unless either interpretation has to come. And the reason it doesn't say, it doesn't happen so often, because the Bible says and if no one interprets, you have to. So anyone who's read that scripture goes, mm, yeah, <laughs> probably not going to do that. Because right? it does take a measure of faith. It does take a measure of faith. My dad has done that in this church from time to time. Personally, I don't think I've ever done that. I'm not less than, it's just a gift. It doesn't affect me, but I pray in my prayer language every day. Whenever I get with people, I want to pray in my prayer language because it takes away my thoughts and my junk, and it gives me clarity. My spirit begins to rule. I begin to pray along with the Holy Spirit as He helps me. Because I don't know how to pray as I want. I know this is basic, simple stuff, but it's so important because if we see it, it'll put a hunger in you for the supernatural. Now, even then it says they were limited to three people. Why? Because this was happening so much, the gifts were flowing so much in the Corinthian church that everyone was coming up with a tongue of interpretation. So, so Paul said, maximum three. It's just the father coming along helping the kids. That's what was going on. Now, this happened to me last week. When I get to time, I'm going to just bring this to a close. This happened to me last week. We had an unbeliever in the meeting last week. Can you imagine? With Francois. It's awesome. I think it's good. Yeah. So, unbeliever was in the meeting. They came. 
spoke to me afterwards in the week, they came into my office, she came in and she said, you know, it was wonderful to see people get prophesied over, so the Bible says what happened, it says they would see that and say, yeah, she said, that was wonderful, it was great, I could see that, you know, it meant something to them, she says, but that whole other language thing, she's like, that freaked me out a bit. It's exactly what the Bible says. That literally happened this week. So on the, while she's on the way there, I said to the Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said, tell her about her life, you know, through word of knowledge. And so she came, she sat in my chair across my desk, and I just started to speak to her about her life. You're like this, this has happened to you, this has happened to you. Just words of knowledge, you know, speaking to her, speaking to her, and tears began to flow down her cheeks. The gift wasn't important. I said, but what was the purpose? I said, who is it that knows your life? She says, Jesus. I said, well, unbelievable. So there's the realm of prophecy. I'm not going to start speaking in tongues at her. She's going to think I'm nuts. <laughs> now, does everyone speak in tongues? I don't have time to go into this. Yes and no. <laughs> I know. It's, that's the big question. Does everyone speak in tongues? Yes and no. I believe everyone has been given access to a prayer language. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, are all apostles, are all teachers, are all prophets, are all going to speak in tongues? The obvious answer is no. Right? So are all going to speak in tongues? Well, no. It's not talking about your prayer language there, though. Just so you know. It says in the church. Talking about the gift that come and interpret and do that all. Yes, because God gives it to them to bypass the mind to carry them with the spirit and transform them into the image of Christ. Are all people called, it says, are all, are all prophets? No. Can all prophesy? The Bible clearly says all should desire to prophesy. Are all five, like all teachers? The Bible says, talks about teachers in terms of what I'm doing now. The answer is no. Are all called to give an answer for the hope they have? Are all called to preach the gospel in every nation? Yes. Does that make them a teacher? No. Does it make them this? No. Makes them a Christian. I don't know who said that, but you're absolutely yeah. right. Jen's like this, me. You lost your reward. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 All right. Friends, I, I hope this is helpful because why? One of the things that Francois came and said, and I believe it was from the Lord, if he said it once or twice, yeah, he said it to me 10,000 times in the house. You think you get nervous when a prophet comes and speaks to you? Have him live with you. <laughs> <laughs> and he was turning to me every day, he said, Clayton, intercession. No, no, you know, he speaks. Intercession, you got it, there's intercession. So we want to begin to train people, we want to train true intercessors to begin to intercede and to pray. Well, that's why I'm teaching on this, because it not only is it tied into identity to help the new man be transformed, not only that, but when I've... Oh, I don't know why I should say this or Sometimes when I've prayed and prepared, where I know there's going to be supernatural ministry required, I will lock myself in the room and I'll pray for two or three hours. Now the reason I don't want to say that is that that's not about me, and that makes people think, well, I can never do that. If you think I'm praying with my understanding the whole time, I'm not that clever. For the first 40 minutes, I'm praying in tongues. Praying, 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 pacing, praying, praying, praying. And 
all of a sudden, my stuff goes away. Clarity begins to come. Not in 15 minutes. The first 15 minutes is just a battle here. All I'm thinking about is what I should have done. And I'm like, no, you know, and, and I learn. It takes me time to focus. The practical thing I've done is I take a little piece of, like a little notebook, and every time I think about something, I just write it down and put it aside. And then it leaves my mind. I start to pray. You start to pray and 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 pray. Then all of a sudden, what you start to pray about, God brings people to you. And all of a sudden, that person happens to be at that meeting tonight, and you start to pray in warfare in the spirit through tongues, through a prayer language. I'm not speaking in another language. I don't have to interpret that. That's real intercession, and God brings something up in my heart, so it says, I pray with the Spirit, I pray with my understanding. So I begin to pray with my understanding. God, thank you for that person. God, set them free, let them feel your presence. I begin to, and then I go back to tongues, and back to understanding, and back to tongues. And you only know what that's like. You only can, and I'm not, let me be truthful. You only know what that's like. You only understand the world. Then you read it, you're like, yes, because it's a supernatural thing. It's a supernatural, you can travail in prayer. I don't mean to take you too far down the road. Sometimes when I do that, I don't realize I'm standing and I'm rocking back and forth like this. Who's ever experienced that? You begin to pray on your travail. Why? That happened in the Old Testament, friends. And the presence of God would descend upon the priest. They would, that's why the Hasidic Jews here today in New York, they, as soon as they start praying, they start doing this. They're reliving in old glory. Because it doesn't happen in the Spirit. They're now making it happen. <laughs> I should probably close. Friends, with intercession, real intercession, we want to release this. There's so many benefits to this day. The whole thing of all the benefits of speaking in tongues. I won't go into it. It accesses your very spirit. It edifies you. It changes you. It bypasses your mind. You're speaking straight to the Holy, straight to the Father. It, it builds you up. It, it speaks to you a new identity. It does all these things. And people hardly ever exercise it unless they come to a meeting and they're told to do it. I encourage you. Then I hunger begin to burn in you for the things of God. If you have to worship in spirit and pray in spirit and walk in the spirit, surely the one thing that was given, the two added that are added in the new covenant dispensation, are actually a big deal. Yeah? So if who, who's ever heard of Jackie Cottonwood? So what's it called? What's the book called? Chasing the Dragon. Little 19-year-old white girl went to Hong Kong to the Wall City to one of the most dangerous places in the world. Turned that place inside and upside down. The supernatural with heroin addicts, with everything. Please please go in there. And they asked her, how did you do that? She said, I started, I just prayed and tell us for 15 minutes a day. We are going to have a prayer meeting on Wednesday. Son, 
Amen. They're going to continue to pray. If you want coffee, tea, it's outside. Love to hang with you, speak with you. Remember, there is a restaurant over there if you want to go and have amazing food and hang out to have a Our conversation back here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>